There are a lot of things that are raw about the episode you're about to hear. First of all, the audio of the interview is a little on the raw side. Full disclosure, I recorded this episode while spending the weekend visiting family, so the acoustics were different than usual to begin with. And then on top of that, we had last minute internet and hardware issues. It was the day after Friday the 13th, so we can just blame that. All things considered, the audio actually sounds pretty good, but I wanted to give you a heads up in case it sounds just a little different than what you're used to. The emotions on this episode are also pretty raw. In it, we talk about the 26th book in Anne M. Martin's beloved Babysitter's Club series, which is called Claudia and the Sad Goodbye. As you might expect from the title, the book tells the story of one of our fave babysitters, Claudia, navigating the failing health and then the death of her grandmother Mimi, who lives with Claudia's family and is a major part of her day-to-day life. The day we recorded this episode, I was approaching the one-year anniversary of the death of my own grandmother, who I lived with and therefore played a similar role in my daily routine when I was growing up. My grandfather passed away five days after this recording, and I was anticipating this while we talked as well. With all of that said, it should hardly come as a surprise that I was relating hard to this week's book. My guests and I spent a lot of time over the next hour comparing our own experiences with loss to Claudia's. Let's just say that Anne M. Martin does a pretty amazing job of communicating truisms about death to her young readers. Regardless of age, I think that almost anyone going through grief could find some comfort in Claudia and the sad goodbye, and the way it normalizes so many of the complicated feelings that come with the loss of a loved one. Also, we are talking about the Babysitter's Club here, so there's a nice dose of arts and crafts, friendship, and girl power in the mix. I am so excited to welcome Jamie Elsie to episode 66. Jamie is the avid reader behind the Absorbed in Pages Instagram handle and the blog AbsorbedInPages.com. In addition to being an avid bookworm, she is also a wife, mother, and attorney. I am so grateful to have met Jamie at BookCon this past summer. Stay tuned to learn more about those fortuitous circumstances and that she agreed to chat with me about this highly emotional book. I think that pretty much anyone will be able to relate to this conversation. If you want to share your personal experiences or your thoughts about the episode, social media is a great place to do it. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SSRPod and find us on Facebook by searching The SSR Podcast. One of my very favorite things is seeing you tag the episodes you're listening to in your Instagram stories, so please don't be shy. You can also support the pod by leaving five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes. These make a huge difference for SSR, since shows with more of them are easier for potential listeners to discover. You can also support the pod by shopping our cute merch line at www.ssrpodcast.com shop or by considering Patreon. Patreon is a platform that allows you to contribute a few dollars, like as little as just $1, to SSR on a monthly basis in exchange for some exclusive rewards. SSR patrons get everything from bonus episodes and newsletters to real-time book recommendations and book club chats. Learn more at www.patreon.com slash ssrpodcast or by visiting www.ssrpodcast.com and clicking support at the top of the page. Shout out to the Patreon sponsors who are listening to this episode. You are the best. You know what's also the best? Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know who I'm talking about. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. SSR listeners can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of just one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code SSRPOD when prompted. With just a few weeks left before our big trip to Thailand in November, I'm getting very excited to listen to some books on Libro.fm over the course of the 30-plus hours we'll be spending on the plane. Okay, listeners, make sure you have some tissues handy because things are about to get real with Claudia and her sad goodbye. Let's go to the show. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. You may recognize SSR as an elementary school era abbreviation for silent sustained reading, but if you don't, that's okay. What it stands for here is Shit She Read. 
Each week, we'll crack the binding on an old-school read written for kids or teens and talk about it from a kind of grown-up perspective. We'll obsess over heartthrobs, relive the frustrations of middle school, and say an occasional WTF to a beloved author. If we haven't met yet, I'm your host, Ali Hofkosik, freelance writer, lifelong bookworm, and lover of anything covered in rainbow sprinkles. So find your favorite reading spot and a glass of wine. We're about to revisit some literary throwbacks right here on the SSR Podcast. Hi, Jamie. Welcome to the SSR Podcast. Hi, Allie. Thank you for having me here. I'm going to give listeners a little bit of a disclaimer. So I'm thinking I'm still feeling a little bit of the Friday the 13th full moon vibes over here today because I'm having internet issues. The cord on my microphone broke. Like all of this has happened in the last 20 minutes. So if the audio sounds different than usual, please forgive me. All of those issues are going to be fixed shortly. Um, I'm going to blame it on Friday the 13th and the full moon. So Jamie, you and I are just going to weather this together and it's going to be great. Sounds great. I'm down for that. We are talking today about Claudia's Sad Goodbye, which is the 26th book in the Babysitter's Club series. It was published in 1989. And Jamie, this was the book that you suggested. I'd love to hear a little bit more about why this was the Babysitter's Club installment that you were thinking you wanted to reread. I think we had basically said, like, let's just pick a Babysitter's Club book. And there were maybe two that you had suggested. So I'd love to hear more about why this was the one you settled on. As many of you may not know, um, I grew up reading The Babysitter's Club along with a lot of other people. Um, it's one of the series that really ignited my passion for reading. Um, I was obsessed with them. And this particular book really stood out to me to suggest to read with you, Allie, because in the book, Claudia's grandmother passed away. And I remember reading this book shortly thereafter my own grandmother passed away. So it really resonated with me at the time. Some of the things that Claudia dealt with in the book really resonated with me. So I thought it would be a good one to discuss. Yeah, that's why I picked it. So we have done two other Babysitter's Club titles previously. We did the first ever title in the series, Christie's Big Idea. And then back in January, we talked about one of the Babysitter super special crazy books. So I think they like got lost on an island or something. So completely different Mm -hmm. kind of title. So this particular Babysitter's Club felt really different than the others that I've reread. And if you don't mind, I'd love to share sort of like my personal connection to the book right about now, because it's hitting very Mm -hmm. close to home. Um, It's interesting that we happen to be talking about this book today. And I think we had actually rescheduled. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like maybe it's a sign, you know, that we were supposed to talk about it today. But (laughs) um, my grandmother actually passed away. It'll be a year ago in a few days. Um, She passed away last year on my birthday, actually. And um, my birthday is in six days. So we're kind of gearing up to feel all of those feelings. And my grandfather is uh, Mm -hmm. also really not doing well right now. And unfortunately, we're probably a few days away from losing him. And so as I was reading this book, as hard as it was, I I kind of think it was like the best time for me to be reading it because I really felt like I Mm -hmm. could tap into Claudia's emotions. And I really had a lot of thoughts about how the story was presented. And I found so many parallels, both in the way that Claudia has to lose her grandmother and say goodbye to her, but also even in like the relationship that Claudia shares with her grandmother and the relationship that I shared with my grandmother. So it was like a really emotional experience reading this book. Um, So listeners, I apologize in advance if maybe it feels like it's getting a little too personal for me, but it is personal this time around. So definitely a moment when art is really imitating life, especially with respect to the SSR podcast. Sure, sure. So first, I want to give you my condolences. Um, I know that's 
very difficult thing to deal with. My grandmother, she passed away when I was really younger. I was in, I think, the third or the fourth grade. So I have the similar feelings to you. Like, I felt so many parallels when I was reading it. Um, I had a special relationship with my grandmother as well. So like you said, it imitates life. I think this one is a good one, especially for young kids and even adults who can see themselves reflected in this story. I think so often when I reflect on the Babysitter's Club, and I don't, I don't know if this is true, but when I think back on the Babysitter's Club, so much of what I think about are like the fun titles and the adventures that they go on and all the cool stuff they do with their friends. But in looking at the title list and doing some more reading about the series as a whole, the truth is that Anne M. Martin and her team actually did a really good job of exploring a lot of heavy issues like this. And I found a really interesting quote from David Levithan, who um, was part of the Babysitter's Club team. And he's talking about sort of how they figured out the topics that they were going to cover, because obviously there's like so many books in this series. And he said, the interesting moments were, I think, coming up with the stories and talking about how to engage in things. We would plot it out year by year almost. And we would just sit down with the editors and we would say, okay, so where are we going with this? And obviously some of it would be very character related. Oh, this character's parents are getting married. This character is going to be held back in seventh grade again. But a lot of the time it was like, oh, we really haven't talked about racism or let's talk about learning disabilities. So it is interesting to think about when you look at the series as a whole, I feel like they sort of inserted these heavier kind of quote unquote issues books around more of the fun adventures that they were having. I definitely understand that as well, because the first couple of books, you know, it doesn't really get I mean, I think I think it's Claudia and Mean Janine is number seven, I think. And I think that's when her grandmother had a stroke. But besides that, I don't think any of the you know, hard things were really addressed until this one and going forward. But yeah, I think it's really interesting um, how they came together and how they brainstormed. And I think that's why the series um, has had the longevity that it has, because they weren't afraid to talk about those topics in middle grade books. Incidentally, this is a really fascinating time to be talking about the Babysitter's Club. You and I actually met at BookCon, and I think we met waiting on a very long line. What were we waiting for? Like Babysitter's Club scrunchies or something? I can't remember. Tote bags. Yes, yes. It was state. We were in the um, Babysitter's Club area. They actually coming out on Audible. Uh, Well, they had come out already a couple months ago, so they were marketing that. Um, I think they had a meet and greet with Ann and Martin at the time. So, yeah, it's definitely fake. They were sitting down talking about it. Yeah, circling (laughs) back. So it's a but it is a really cool time to be talking about Babysitter's Club, because as you mentioned, there's the Audible books that just came out. There's the Netflix series that we're now preparing for. So I'm going to include links to a lot of really interesting essays and articles that I found about the Babysitter's Club series in the show notes for this episode, because there's such a fandom for this series anyway. But it was really convenient to have all of these other writers and sort of like thought leaders revisiting Babysitter's Club as I was preparing to talk to you about this today. And people Mm -hmm. just have like so many memories of interacting with these books, both on the fun level and then also as you and I are starting to talk about kind of remembering how they may have touched them in more serious ways. So you mentioned how in Mm -hmm. one of the earlier books, Mimi has a stroke. And I'd love to start there because Mm -hmm. when we start this particular book, Claudia and the Sad Goodbye, Claudia Mm -hmm. is remembering and sort of addressing Mimi's current state. And I... Mm -hmm growing up had both a grandmother and a great grandmother who had had a stroke. And I didn't really understand what it meant. I find that even now to me as an adult, like the idea of a stroke feels so abstract and hard to figure out. And it manifests itself in so many different ways in different people. And so I think even as a starting point here, like the fact that Anne M. Martin is explaining to young readers 
what it actually means to have a stroke. Like, because so many young readers are going to encounter older people in their families who have gone through this. And so even the fact mm-hmm. that within the first few pages, Claudia is explaining like what it looks like for Mimi to be recovering from the stroke and how it's affected her life. I think already we have an important lesson and something that's really useful for kids. For sure. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think Anne and Martin, she did a great job with describing the changes that Mimi suffered with post-stroke, like the limping and the forgetfulness that she experienced. And I think she also did a good job with illustrating Claudia's thought process on that. I think Claudia was able to pick up on certain things that Mimi dealt with post-stroke. And I think she did a good job with putting that kind of simplifying that in terms of a young child experiencing her grandmother dealing with um, certain issues. So I think she did a great job with that. I think Claudia, like, she understood that Mimi was sick, but then, you know, she'll say something in the in the book where she'll go, Mimi is joking, so maybe she's feeling better now. So I think she did a really good job in making that voice very distinct Um, and and childlike too. And she kind of takes the fear out of it, I think. In moments like you mentioned where Claudia is saying, oh, you know, she's sick, but she's kind of acting like herself. I think that it's nice for kids to realize that in a lot of situations, even when their older family members get sick, you're still going to sort of connect with them. You're still going to have moments where you feel like they're in there somewhere. And I think when I was growing up, um, my great grandmother who'd had a stroke was in a nursing home and it was like a very clinical kind of environment. It wasn't one of these like, you know, more fancy nursing homes or retirement homes that people live in more now. And I was very scared about all of the things that she'd gone through because it felt like being in a hospital every time we visited her. And so I connected strokes with sort of like Mm -hmm. the end of, of this woman who I cared about like identity. And I think seeing Claudia interacting with her grandmother on an ongoing basis, understanding Mm -hmm. that somewhere they were still having this relationship, it's really useful for kids. I think as a kid, and even now, I I have always had trouble connecting with elderly people because I sometimes don't know what to say or how to act with people that aren't doing well. And I think the more that we can read stories like this and be reminded of the fact that like, it's okay, people get sick sometimes, like this is all part of life. It's natural. And we just have to learn to like appreciate the good moments we have. I think that's great. For sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. It was really a great story to highlight that, you know, kind of what you said, older people or our grandparents, they may experience these difficulties, these health issues, but, you know, you can still make the best of the time that you have with them. And I think that's what we see in this story. And I really appreciated that because um, my grandmother, she didn't have a stroke, but she died from cancer and she died pretty quickly within 90 days. And, um, you know, we still spend time with her up until we couldn't anymore. And I think that's a great message for kids, you know, make the make the best of the time that you have. Right. And there can sometimes be moments amid the suffering that aren't all bad. And you hear about that you know, from people who have gone through chronic illness or other health challenges where there are funny moments, there are happy moments, there are great memories sometimes sprinkled in those tough times. And I I think that Anna Martin does a really good job of showing that. I think she also does a really good job of validating the kinds of feelings that certain kid readers might have of anger and frustration. And something that really struck me early in the book before Mimi even took like even more of a turn for the worse was when Claudia is talking about how just the fact that Mimi lives with them and now requires a little bit more attention and care about how it's really affected their family. Um, Taking care of a sick relative has 
icky as it feels to say, it can be hard and it can feel inconvenient and it creates tension and all of those things. And as a kid, especially, I think you don't feel like you're allowed to acknowledge that because you want to make sure that you're doing right by your relatives and you want to be like well-behaved and helpful and all of those things. But I think like Claudia acknowledges the fact that like there have been changes in her household as a result of Mimi's illness. She says Mimi needs a lot of help these days. It's a little bit hard on our family. Um, She's Mm -hmm. the one who kind of has to worry about Mimi when Mimi's in the kitchen cooking because Claudia's older sister Janine is of course off being like a genius and her parents are at work. So Claudia is often the one left to like make sure that nothing happens to Mimi. And growing up, I always felt like such respect for my elders, which I think is a great thing. But I think sometimes that can be a little bit unhealthy because kids don't feel like they Mm -hmm. can express their true feelings of frustration when there's more uncomfortable dynamics that are introduced with your family. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely um, get that. I think that was it was a great illustration in the story, um, you know, with Claudia and Mimi and you know, in the story, they say, you know, Mimi needed help around the clock. And I think that the way that they kind of roped Claudia in and helping her grandmother and then showing after that how she rebelled and, you know, like you said, she got angry, she got frustrated. And I think that made the story more realistic because anger and frustration is a, is a human emotion. And kids feel it, adults feel it, teenagers, you know, we all feel those emotions every once in a while. That kind of gave the whole realistic effect of, you know, the health issues that she was experiencing and how sometimes it can affect the whole family. Because I think it's a common thing. Like a lot of families end up welcoming older relatives into their home. And obviously it's like a blessing to be able to do that and to be able to have that kind of quality time with those people before we lose them. But it doesn't mean that it's always an easy thing. It's tough on the relationships that were existing in that household before. And Claudia already had some tension with her family. I mean, I think one of the things that was most special about her relationship with Mimi was that Mimi seemed to be somebody who like actually cared about the things that Claudia cared about and didn't necessarily expect the same things out of Claudia that her other family members did. Like, you know, there's this huge premium in Claudia's household placed on Janine's smarts. And obviously we know that Janine's a genius and she's taking all of these like crazy computer and science classes. And Claudia's parents are really proud of her, as they should be, of course. But Claudia really struggles Mm -hmm. in school and her thing is so much more art. Um, She's creative. Mm -hmm. She loves fashion. And I would imagine that sometimes she feels a little bit alone in her house because her values are a little bit different than her family's values. And the fact that Mimi understood why Claudia's art was so important to her, and not only that, but like would sit with her while she did her art. And I think that, I don't know, I just, I think she brought this like really special kind of special sauce into the household for Claudia. And it it actually made me think of my Nana because my Nana was the one who really influenced my love of books. And my mom loves to read too, but my Nana and I Mm -hmm. sort of talked about books in like our own special way. And Mm -hmm. we were like a little bit more similar personality wise. And so we had all of these high, high highs talking about books and like Mm -hmm. doing our special things in the way that Claudia had these high highs with Mimi talking about art Mm -hmm. but you do have low lows like you can't live in the same house with somebody and not have conflict Mm -hmm. with them and I remember when my nana died like having all of these complicated Mm -hmm. feelings about all the great memories I had but all the times that I'd been angry with her like she pissed me off like she made me so mad sometimes Mm -hmm. she was a really tough lady Mm -hmm. and sometimes she would drive me crazy um Oh, right. <laughs> and you feel weird about that. Even when I lost my grandmother at 28, I felt 
really badly about that. And Claudia's 13, and she actually had these, like, very clear outbursts with her grandmother. These weren't things that were, like, simmering below the surface. Like, when Mimi was really not doing well and Claudia was feeling especially Mm -hmm. stressed by the pressure Mm -hmm. of taking care of her, like, she yelled at her. And that's a hard thing to think about. Oh, yeah. And I think she, um, you know, she had those really angry outbursts and then on the you know on the other end she'll be feeling really guilty about it and then you know you'll see her dealing with all those emotions and then she goes back and she apologizes so I think it was a really good show of how you can go through those high highs like you said and low lows and then kind of come back and have a full circle moment and um, patching and leaning. And I think that's what was so beautiful about this story because you get to really see that realistic, you know, grandmother, granddaughter relationship and everything's not all roses, you know. That's why this story really stuck out to me so much. My grandmother, she passed away when I, like I said earlier, when I was a little bit younger, but she watched me a lot when I was a baby and she had diabetes too. So I really remember like growing up her, you know, dealing with her insulin and I'm asking questions about it. And she was, I just remember her being really patient with me and answering all the questions that I had. But I would, sometimes I would get frustrated if I was a really outside child. So I love to go outside and I would get frustrated with her when she didn't really have the energy to go outside with me. So like you, that story resonated with you, with your grandmother. This one really, really resonated with me as well, too. I think it's really special that most anybody who reads this book can probably pick mm-hmm. up certain like elements of their family relationships in the bond between Claudia and Mimi. And I think part of that is because it's not all positive or all negative. Like there's such nuance in their relationship. And mm-hmm. that makes it so much easier to identify some of your own memories with your own grandparents or parents or aunts or uncles in what we read mm-hmm. in this book. Oh, yeah. It would be a lot harder to relate to if it was like all perfect all the time between Claudia and Mimi. Exactly, exactly. And kind of going what you said earlier, you know, art, art imitates life. It's a, it's a very realistic depiction of family relationships and family dynamics. There's a really intense moment when things really begin to take a turn for the worse with Mimi. Claudia has started this like art class for their babysitting charges at her house every Saturday morning and I remember loving that kind of thing when I was a kid sort of as a side note like I loved when they got to sort of establish these special things outside of the usual babysitting jobs I loved when they had like camps or classes like it just felt Mm -hmm. like this sense of ownership and I was like oh that's so cool I wish I could do that at my house and there's this really intense moment when Mimi comes down the stairs I believe at this point she's already been in and out of the hospital and Mm -hmm. she's not really supposed to be out and about but she is coming downstairs to find Claudia and she falls at the bottom of the stairs. And this is sort of when like mm-hmm. things really begin to turn to turn bad. And I think this is like the ends up being her last and final trip to the hospital. And mm-hmm. I was struck by the fact that all of the students of Claudia's art class were there when that happened. And these are little kids. And mm-hmm. I just can't imagine what that would be like for these little kids who think that they're going to their babysitter's house just to take some art class, do a little paper mache, and then just mm-hmm. have to watch all of this go down. That's really scary. Oh, yeah, that was definitely a scary moment. I can only imagine, you know, for the kids and for Claudia. And um, they really did a good job with depicting how it happened. And, and like you said, I think it was really realistic. Yeah, because you never know what the setting is going to be when something like this happens. Again, like they could have made this fall happen when it was just Claudia and Janine at home, but 
that isn't how it always works. Sometimes you do have a house full of people. And maybe the idea is that like preparing young readers to deal with these kinds of things, no matter what the circumstances are, you know, maybe like reading a story like this reminds them that things don't always happen when they're most convenient. Exactly. I think um, Claudia was really pushing herself to keep up with her art. And despite what Mimi was going through, she was, you know, trying to keep up with the art classes, keep up with the babysitting. And, you know, sometimes things happen that we don't really have control over. And I think that was a pretty big moment in the story. Yeah, I like what you said about the fact that Claudia is really trying to like keep up with the things that she cares about, because I, I hadn't thought about that quite as much like at this point in the book I was thinking about it more like at the end after Mimi dies Claudia is like really trying to get back into things that she loves but I think you make a good point which is that like Mimi's been going through this ongoing illness and Claudia is not quite sure when she's supposed to like kind of resume normal life and she's Mm -hmm. trying her best like she wants to enjoy herself and be with her friends and do the things that make her feel good and again like something that I think so many people can relate to when you have a close family member or a loved one that's just dealing with this sustained illness like how long Mm -hmm. do you wait before you start to go back to your life and do things that feel fun and sometimes it's scary to do that because you feel like it's the wrong thing to do to like go do something with your friends but Claudia is a kid and she thinks she's doing what she's supposed to do Um, and quite Mm -hmm. frankly it like sucks for her that right in the middle of that is when she's dealing with like this very clear reminder that things are Mm -hmm. not actually going away with Mimi like she's still sick exactly and I I think that part really resonated with me too because as a kid you know you may know your grandparent um, your aunt or is sick but you don't really understand the the gravity of the situation and I think that part really stuck out to me because that's kind of what I experienced when my grandmother was sick and also you know Claudia just wanting to feel normal again later in the story you know you really see this is a little bit later when Mimi died but you know how she deals with her sister after that death how she deals with her babysitting kids and friends at school, things like that. But that part was really, really strong, like how she just didn't want to be looked at differently. She wanted to keep going with that routine just to gain a sense of normalcy. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more. We jump around a little bit, Mm -hmm. so it's okay. I think this whole idea of like just wanting things to be normal is so Mm -hmm. real. It's so real when you're going through a loss. And the fact that she like really wants to go back to school, she doesn't want to just have to Mm -hmm. sit at home. And at first, I think it feels good to sort of be in the safe space and be coddled by your family and only speak to your friends about what you've just been through. Like, that's nice at first, but you do get to a point where you just want people to stop talking to you about it. And I pulled out one quote from after I think like the first day that Mimi dies Everybody's bringing Mm -hmm. over food. And Mm -hmm. Claudia says, it was the longest day of my life. If I hadn't believed it before, I became more and more certain each time the doorbell rang that Mimi really and truly had died, whatever that meant. I wish everyone would go away and leave us alone and let me think that a big mistake had been made. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so real. Like, so so real. Why can't we all just like mourn privately? I think that's like something that I experienced when my Nana died last year. And it's so much more now, even with social media. Like I remember knowing that a few people in my family had like posted on Facebook that we'd lost her. And I was like, 
oh no, like now everybody's going to contact us. Like I really had just wanted it to be private, but you can, Mm -hmm. and you can't necessarily experience it the way that you want to, because as soon as the word gets out, people want to take care of you and be kind to you. And that's obviously a really great thing, but mourning is never quite as personal of a process as you want it to be, at least not in my experience. And I feel like that's what Claudia is going through in the book too. Grief and you know, losing a loved one, it's its very personal. And, you know, sometimes you do, you want that alone time, you know, she enjoy, you know, spending time with her friends after, but then you could kind of see her retreating and not being able to do simple things like walk past or go in Mimi's room. That quote was so strong because it really displayed her feelings at that time. And her feelings are valid and everyone agrees and mourns differently. Some people want to be around family and some people want to retreat. And that's kind of how I am too. You know, when I grieved my grandmother, I was deathly afraid of funerals. I did not want to go to the funeral. It was very weird and awkward. And so, yeah, I think that was a strong moment in the story as well. As far as the funeral goes in the story, what did you think about the fact that Anne M. Martin shares about it in sort of this like reflective way? We don't get it in real time. Claudia kind of talks about the fact that she doesn't remember it. Like she's blocked a lot of it in her head, which I think a lot of people mm-hmm. can understand from their own experiences with going to funerals. So instead, what we get is this chapter where Claudia is kind of like, oh, and this is what Dawn told me about the day. Or like, this is what I heard from Stacy. Like, this is what all of these people told me I did. Or like, here's how I think it mm-hmm. went from what people told me. What did you think about the fact that the author chose to present it that way instead of as like a straight narrative from Claudia's perspective as it was happening. I think that was very clever of her. I think that Claudia really learns about death that day and she also learns a little bit about herself like how she dealt with it so she pulled really inward and she was able to you know talk to Stacy and kind of figure out what was going on in that particular chapter I think the quote that really stood out to me the most was when Anna Martin described her mindset and she says she didn't cry she knew that Mimi wasn't in there and that a bunch of men was just putting a box into the ground. In my mindset, reading this as an adult, I think that was very mature of her to say that and describe it in that way. That particular chapter really showed how she viewed death and how she was kind of processing the the entire funeral that day. The other thing that struck me so much from that scene was Claudia seeing her dad cry. And I think that's an experience that a lot of people, again, can relate to. I feel like I'm saying that a million times on this episode, but I think that speaks to like just how resonant this book is and just how great of a job Anna Martin did with relating this experience to what other people go through in their own lives. So many of the people that I know saw the men in their lives cry for the very first time at a funeral. Mm-hmm. And that's striking. I mean, we can talk on a whole other day about the stereotypes that we see about like men crying or not crying and how that mm-hmm. I think is problematic in pop culture. I think so many boys grow up thinking that it's not cool to show emotion and that's not great in the long term, but that's what it is. And I think has certainly been like that in generations past. Um, And I saw my dad and my grandfather be emotional for the first time ever at my great grandmother's funeral. And if the funeral itself didn't make me cry, that made me cry because it was so striking to me that I was seeing that go down for the first time. And I think that little detail, I don't think, I don't think Anna Martin even like addresses it for very long. It might even just be a sentence or two, but like I pulled that out as something that like was such 
a great detail. Okay, I'm glad that you brought that up because I didn't catch that little point, but I definitely get what you mean when you see, you know, your dad or you see a, a male figure in your life that you don't really see cry or show their emotions. Um, it is a very striking scene when you see that and it and it's something that you probably won't ever forget. Me, on the other hand, my dad, he definitely cries a lot. He's very emotional, more so than my mom. Hmm. So if I'm on the other end of the spectrum. So if I see my mom cry or I see her get really emotional, it really strikes me more. Because like you said, when you don't see that and then you see it, you know, it's like, wow. Well, it's like a cue. Like if you're upset, then... I should definitely be upset. Anytime somebody cries, it triggers me usually. So hard. And I just think this whole idea where Claudia can't quite figure out what it means to die. We're talking about 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds reading these books. Mm -hmm. And there are just so many little nuggets here where I'm like, I think that this is exactly how young kids should be reading about death. They should be reading about it knowing that, like, it's okay not to know what happens when you die. It's okay to, like, Mm -hmm. feel confused. It's okay to be able to, like, say that somebody died but to not quite believe it. Like, all of those things are okay. And that's like, it's a hard thing to navigate. But I like the fact that Claudia doesn't like breeze through this, get it all the time, feel confident in her understanding of it. She's working her way through it. And I forget what podcast I heard this on, but I was listening to a podcast about grief at some point, And they were talking about how like grief isn't linear. And so often, I think we think that like, When you lose somebody, it's supposed to get better all the time. Like the first week is the hardest and then it gets easier and easier. Um, And you might have a hard day here and there. But like generally speaking, it's a thing that is bad and then it gets better. Um, And that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. how it works for everybody. And I have experienced that. And I think part of it is that everybody handles grief in a different way. Like my instinct when my grandmother died was to like take care of my mom and like make sure she was okay. And so I think it took me a little Mm -hmm. bit longer to like give myself the time that I needed to grieve. And so my grief got worse and then it got a little better and Mm -hmm. then it got worse. Like it kind of comes in waves. And I think Claudia has moments where she's frustrated with herself because later in the book after Mimi dies, she like doesn't understand why she's tired. She doesn't understand why Mm -hmm. she's not doing well in school and she like thinks it's her fault because I think she feels like well I should be over this by now she died a while ago like I should be feeling better every day and that's not necessarily true I think that often is the narrative in books and other forms of pop culture that like it gets worse before Mm -hmm. it gets better but like you're gonna get stronger and feel good but to me this is a much more realistic depiction that it like sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back. And it can go on like that for a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it was a really good depiction here because, you know, she kind of wanted to get that sense of normalcy again. But then as the story goes on, you see that her grades are dropping. She's feeling, like you said, she's feeling really tired, hard to concentrate. And then you see her really start to get angry at other people, like her parents and her teachers, for not catching the things that she knew Mimi would have caught if she was still there with her. So you see her emotions and kind of, you know, her grieving process, it ebbs and flows, like you say. Um, yeah, that part was really, really strong depiction on how she how she grieves and how she was mourning. Um, but one thing I really did like was we know that her relationship with her sister was kind of strained. But then you see them coming together and bonding a little bit more. And I, I really appreciated that, too. Yeah, I think it speaks to the fact that any kind of a major event, whether it's a good event or a bad event, like the loss of a Mm -hmm. loved one, it can shift all of the dynamics in your life. 
Yeah. And she and Janine do have these nice moments where they're like really leaning on each other. I also liked that a lot. And then there's this sort of turn in their relationship almost at the end of the book. And this also mm-hmm. speaks to this idea of like people handling grief differently. As you mentioned before, Claudia is having a lot of trouble with the fact that like Mimi's room still exists. And it's I think right off the kitchen in their house. So she has to walk by it a lot. And she really doesn't want to walk by it. She doesn't want to think too hard about it. She's really like hiding a lot of the sort of physical artifacts of Mimi's life. Like she takes this portrait that she painted of the two of them and she hides it in the attic Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to look in the bedroom. And at some point, and this is late in the book, but she sees that Janine is in Mimi's room and Claudia's first instinct is to get mad. It feels like an invasion to her that like Janine would be picking through Mimi's stuff, especially because she gets the sense that like Janine's looking to take her things. Like she wants the pretty jewelry and like she wants to have stuff to remember Mimi and that really upsets Claudia and I almost thought that it was going to be like a bigger blowout than it ended up being because it just seemed like this like I don't know this almost point of no return for a little bit like I thought they were going to like not speak to each other for a few days but luckily of course their parents come in and like broker it a little bit but they ultimately come back together because again it's this idea that like for Janine having this stuff around her is really helpful in her grieving process and maybe Claudia doesn't care about that as much I think even in the end like she chooses a piece of jewelry I think a pin but she's like I'm gonna Mm -hmm. not wear it like I don't need to have it on me but I just want to have it in my possession and Again, there's another difference, like a nuance in the way that mm-hmm. Janine and Claudia are going to deal with this. Like, my sense is that Janine's going to wear the jewelry. She picked this jewelry and she's going to wear it and that's going to make her feel good. Claudia just wants to, like, have it in her room. Right, right. Yeah, I think those nuances and those differences were really, really strong. And um, I really like that scene because it just goes back to Claudia being a really visual person so seeing her room seeing her things really stirs up all these emotions and that's very true for a lot of kids and a lot of adults who experience death and mourning and grief I really like that scene because it really was an anger moment for Claudia but it really led to a breakthrough how her parents really sat down with them too and they really explained to her like she lashed out and she's like, no, Mimi left us. She shouldn't have left us. And they really sat down with her and they explained to her that, no, she didn't want to go, you know, and just really explain how things and how death happens as a part of life. It was the first time they'd really had like a direct conversation about it. And I, th- mm-hmm. I think like when you lose somebody, there's like arrangements to make. There's stuff to do. Everybody gets caught up and like checking things off the list to make sure that all the bases are covered and like the funeral is planned and the will is taken care of like all of these details that are an unfortunate sort of like logistical element of death and sometimes I think that's like a way to distract from dealing with the emotional part of it and it's almost like her parents were going through the motions getting all of those things checked off the list and they never really had Mm -hmm. time to sit down and like check in with Claudia and Janine and as we talked about like Claudia's grades are dropping she's tired all the time it made me so sad because I was like this girl is totally experiencing some signs of depression like the sleepiness thing just made me feel so worried about her and there's definitely a little bit of a cry for help going on there of like why does nobody see that I'm struggling like am I not supposed to be struggling is this supposed to be getting better and the fact that after all of that her parents were still able to like step back and realize you know what we probably haven't addressed this directly enough let's talk about it that made me really happy for Claudia because that's exactly what she needed 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was really happy to see that moment happen for her as well. And them leaning in to the opportunity to really like sit down with her and explain to her. Because, you know, young kids, you do need that from your older siblings and adults to really make sense of what's going on and to keep things in perspective. So, yeah, I really like that part. A few other little details that I thought were really resonant as they pertain to death. One is that sometimes you feel like talking about the person. And sometimes you don't. The babysitters all get together at one of their meetings and they're sharing all of these like fun stories about Mimi, which I loved. Like there was one story about how they were planning to go as a family to a Japanese restaurant for Claudia's birthday and they drove really far Mm -hmm. away to get to it and the restaurant was closed and they ended up having to go for hamburgers, I think. Um, And Mimi had never had one before. And on the way out, she like made some joke to the restaurant where she was like, best Japanese food I've ever had. And they all thought that was, oh no, it was pizza. They went to a pizza restaurant. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And on the way out, she made this joke about like best Japanese food I've ever had. So they all loved that story. Like they had all been really close Mm -hmm. to Mimi because Mimi lived with Claudia's family. And my Nana lived with my mom and I. And so similarly, a Mm -hmm. lot of my friends had these very specific memories of being with her. Um, So there were moments when the kids were really happy to talk about Mimi and that seemed to make Claudia feel better. And then, you know, 50, 60 pages later, the babysitters think that maybe it will make Claudia feel better to talk about Mimi again. And now Mm -hmm. Claudia doesn't want to. Like now it makes her feel sad and icky. And again, like these are confusing feelings and it's okay. And I think we have another resonant element of loss and grief. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, you just don't know how you're going to respond, you know, sometimes when you're grieving and you don't know the feeling that you're going to feel at the particular time. So I really liked how Claudia was very expressive, how she really dealt with those feelings and she felt those feelings. She didn't try to suppress anything. And I think it was a good thing for her to set up those boundaries because when you're dealing with such a big thing, you you need to have those boundaries. And I think, you know, it's really sweet to listen to the, they call Mimi stories. And I think that was a good moment for her to bond with her friends and also to feel that you know, she's not feeling this loss by herself. But I also think it was very smart of Anne and Martin to illustrate like, okay, like, hey, you know, I need some boundaries. I need to back up a little bit too. My friends and I always tell the story about how my grandmother wore white to my wedding. Um, (laughs) she wore white to my wedding it was a big joke but I was so mad when it happened she sent me this picture when she was out shopping for dresses and I was like um I think it's a little white like it's looking like mm, maybe on the white side and she's like it's not it's blush and I was like uh I, I don't know like it feels like it's white and I called my mom and I was like could you help here and it caused this huge fight like we all got into a fight about it and she ended up wearing it to the wedding it was like a white white dress white shoes <laughs> and oh at the goodness. time it was so, it was this joke among my friends at the time and I got to the point right. where I could just like roll my eyes about it and even now like when I want to talk about my nana like that's the story we tell like that's sort of like right. the legend of so, so sweet but so funny <laughs> yeah she was such a diva like she had to wear the white dress to the wedding and um, right. and it's like but it's true. Sometimes I really want to tell that story and it's fun to remember that and to be able to laugh about the mm-hmm. fact that I created a whole drama around it. But also sometimes right. I'm like, don't talk about my Nana like that. Like, we're not making right. fun of her today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, sometimes you're in the mood to joke about it, but, you know, sometimes you just kind of want to keep that moment to yourself and reflect on it. For yeah. Sure. And it's okay to have those boundaries and to have those boundaries change. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. 
Oh, yes, for sure. You know, sometimes I get in that moment, you know, that mood where I want to talk about my grandmother and I can sit and talk with my dad about her. But it's other times, you know, I can't really open up about it and I get really emotional and I just want to go inward. So definitely different feelings. Something else that I picked up on that I related to was this idea that like you don't always know what you want from people. So when Claudia goes back to school, she feels a little bit awkward because she sees that some of her friends aren't talking to her. People are avoiding her. Nobody really knows what to say to her. And she has moments during that time where she seems kind of like happy that people don't want to talk to her about it. Like it's nice to not mm-hmm. be asked about Mimi for a little while. And then mm-hmm. like pages later, she was like, actually, it would be nice if somebody would say something to me. And day to day, like it's hard to know what's actually going to make you feel better. And you might never figure it out. It, it might never resolve itself. And it might just be something that you have to work through yourself. And for me, I think like ultimately you're not going to get what you need from other people. Like you sort of are just Mm going to have to take the time to go through it yourself. And I think Claudia sort of figures that out because like on a day-to-day basis, she's not getting what she wants from other people and that's shifting by the hour. And really like she just has to sort of like go through the process on her own. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I definitely um, picked up on that too. And I thought that was a really good point that the author made. You know, she wanted to get back to school. She was very anxious for that and to get back to her sense of normalcy. But then when she got there, you know, she was treated differently and people didn't know how to respond. Kids didn't know how to respond to her and what to say. And she was dealing with those emotions. But then on the other hand, you see her friends, you know, coming in and really kind of making sense of how other people is reacting to her since she's been back, since she's been away from school for a couple of days and her really trying to navigate that. And I think in that particular chapter, it um, a part that stuck out to me was how she heard a certain song and mm. it was like she wanted to forget Mimi at that particular time, but then the song would come on and remind her. And that's kind of what I experienced too. Like I remember a particular a sad song coming out around the time my grandmother died. And every time I would hear that song on the radio, I would have to turn it. You know, I didn't really want to bring up those emotions and things like that. So, um, yeah, that part was, you know, really strong. And Well, it's kind of settling into the new normal, right? It's like figuring out, okay, like what's going to trigger me to be sad? Like how am I going to have conversations with people about this? Am I ready to talk about it? Like how am I going to present the experience to other people? That all becomes part of your new normal after you've been through a loss like this. And mm-hmm. that's hard to manage when you're an adult, let alone a 13-year-old. Yes, I thought that's one some parts I was like, oh, she's really mature, you know. It's very difficult to navigate. Yeah, she was really she was really mature through a lot of it. I mean, there were a few outbursts, but that's to be expected by anybody. For sure. I liked how she dealt with, and she, well, she's always been artistic, but I loved how she used that to kind of cope with what she was feeling too. Yeah, she's yeah. finally able to like channel her grief into this collage with all of these things that make her think about Mimi. And they decide to hang it in Mimi's bedroom, which I loved. And that's like one of the final scenes of the book where the family all stands around and hangs the collage in Mimi's room. And they're kind of figuring out how they're going to go about converting Mimi's room to a guest room, which I understand feels mm-hmm. kind of icky. Like that'll take time to work mm-hmm. out, but at least having that collage hanging will make them feel indefinitely like there's always going to be a piece of of her there. Oh, yes. I love that part. Um, I think that was a, a sweet moment to end the book on and um, to really kind of go full circle with Claudia using that art to cope with the grief and the loss, but then also to keep a part of Mimi's memory alive, too. I really love that part. 
What did you think of the kind of parallel storyline that was going on throughout the book with Claudia and her new little friend, Corey Addison, who's this new kid in town. Mm -hmm. She's one of the kids that's been coming to the art class. They seem to have a lot in common. They're kindred spirits. Corey loves Nancy Drew, just like Claudia. She seems to be a really good artist. But Claudia picks up on the fact very early on that there seems to be like something weird going on at home for Corey. Uh, Corey's mom is always dropping Corey off at Claudia's house a little early, picking her up really late. Corey talks a lot about like wanting to give her mom stuff so that she'll be happy and like be proud of her. And that's like a, mm-hmm. a big sticking point for Corey. Whenever she makes a piece of art, she spends a lot of time talking to Claudia about the process of giving it to her mom and what that will mean. And there's this like relationship that develops between Claudia and Corey that's different and the relationship that she developed to some of the other students in the art class. And I like I kind of wish that that storyline hadn't been there because I feel like the author is then sort of drawing parallels between like Claudia filling the role that Mimi had had in her heart up with Corey. I don't know. I just sort of mm-hmm. wish that we'd focused on Mimi. What did you think of that storyline? I have similar feelings to you. I think that it was kind of like a little subplot that they put in there that really wasn't executed very well. And she kind of credits Mimi to making her stronger for speaking up for Corey. So um, I like that part, you know, how Mimi kind of gave her the confidence to speak up for a kid that may have been, you know, neglected. But I think they, I wish I would have, they would have left that part out. It really wasn't fleshed out and well executed to me. Yeah, it was like all of a sudden the other babysitters were fired up about it. I pulled out this one quote from mm-hmm. Christy, and Christy is my girl. Like, I love her. I'm a Christy for yes, sure. For <laughs> um, and at one point she says, What I want to say, Claude, is more about Corey than about Mimi. I know you're filling up a hole in Corey's life, but I think she's doing the same for you. And you have to watch when you let someone fill a hole, especially when it's being filled by a kid like Corey. I don't really believe you'd do this, but just think over what I'm going to say. Don't drop Corey. You're going to start feeling better, Claude. And when you do, you won't need Corey as much. So don't drop her. And I was like, whoa, when did, like, I feel like we didn't have that much of a build up to that. And it hadn't really occurred to me that that's what was going on. And I was like, wow, there seems to have been a lot of chatter among the other babysitters that this is what was going on with Claudia and Corey. And I just thought that they were, like, helping each other with art. I don't know. That it sort of escalated a little quickly for my taste. Same. That's how I felt, too. I was like, whoa, you know, when did, when did they, fill up the the language filling up a hole you know in her life kind of threw me off I'm like you know I think that was too strong (laughs) yeah and also I don't think I loved that Claudia confronted Corey's mom over like stars on ice or whatever they they were going to like Disney on ice or something yes yeah that part was weird too you know like her a 13 year old telling a grown woman you know like hey do better with your kid that part was kind of awkward yeah I thought it was weird I mean I guess they always sort of have to ground whatever story is going on in babysitting so this was the way to do that um Mm -hmm, I I think mm -hmm. it would have been neat to just sort of maybe have like one of the kids they were babysitting share a story about the fact that like they'd lost a grandparent and Claudia realizing that like this can happen at any time in your life and you deal with it in different ways when you're six years old versus when you're 13 like I think maybe just drawing a more simple parallel that way would have worked better for me oh yeah for me too I think that simple parallel definitely would have made the execution that much better one other thing that I was thinking about 
was the fact that Claudia gets this particular story. So as you mm-hmm. remember, listeners, if, if you were a big fan of the Babysitter's Club, the titles sort of rotate among the babysitters. So Christy gets a book and Marianne gets a book and Don gets a book and Claudia gets a book and so on. And I don't think that there's any right answer to this question, but I did think it was interesting that of all of the babysitters, Claudia was the one that had this really intense story about loss because I think that Christy's grandmother lives with her. There's some talk about a few of the other babysitter's grandparents early on in this book. And I I like the fact that sort of like Claudia had this connection about art to her grandmother and maybe that was sort of why they chose to tell the story through Claudia's perspective. Again, I don't think there's a right answer here, but it did get me thinking about how the author and her team maybe went about deciding which of the babysitters would be assigned different topics. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting, you know, why they decided to pick her and, you know, Mimi. And um, I read some things in the past that it wasn't, the series wasn't supposed to go on as long. So I'm thinking, well, maybe she decided to have this storyline because the series wasn't supposed to be a hundred, over a hundred books. Maybe if she, if they knew it was going to be longer, maybe you know, maybe we would have seen the story coming a little bit further down the line. But I think it was it was a good choice to have Claudia and have that storyline for her, you know, with the relationship that she had with her grandmother. It was so close. So it really, really made a strong story. Yeah, I think Claudia has a different level of emotional depth, maybe than some of the other characters, too. And so mm-hmm. she just like feels things differently. For sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So all in all, has coming back to Claudia and the sad goodbye, as sad as it was, and as much as it made us maybe think of our own experiences losing our grandparents, has it made you love the book or appreciate it all the more? Or has it not held up for you in some way? It really made me appreciate it more. It really made me understand and kind of come back to my feelings at the time and why I love the story so much. I also think it helped me deal with my own feelings and losing my grandmother since I read it so close to that time. And uh, yeah, I definitely think it, it holds up, especially for middle grade. So yeah. I agree. I don't remember reading this one specifically as a kid. I don't have a very clear memory of of which of the Babysitter's Club books I read versus those that I didn't. I was into the series, but definitely didn't read every single one. So I'm, I'm not totally sure that I read this as a kid. I think it does hold up to the extent that I can remember it from when I was little. I also, I'll be honest, like when I when I looked at the description of the book when I was getting ready to read it, and obviously like I've talked a little bit about how the timing of all of this is falling for me personally, I was having some anxiety about reading reading it and I was like uh, of course like why does this particular recording have to fall right now and I was nervous about reading it but I'm actually really glad that I did because even though it was hard at some moments because there were so many parallels in the relationships that I shared with my grandmother and that Claudia shares with her grandmother in the book it just like made me feel a little less alone and it's weird when you're an adult and you can feel that way about a 13 year old story and I also just think it was like a good reflection on grief and it got me thinking about some of the things that I've experienced over the last year some of the things that I'm sort of preparing to experience again with the loss of my grandfather and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just like nice to reflect on that a little bit so this was a good time for me to give grief some thought through Claudia's eyes. Oh, sure. Me too. I'm so glad we had the chance to read this together and talk about it together and, you know, feel all the feelings because, you know, like we talked about earlier, you know, 
um, you know, mourning and dealing with loss is, is a hard thing. And sometimes there are highs and lows that goes with that. So definitely talking about it and unpacking it with you um, definitely helped me as well to deal with those feelings regarding my grandmother, too. Well, I'm glad yeah. we had each other through that. Me, too. Thanks. <laughs> is there anything else you've been reading lately that you would want to recommend to our listeners? Um, well, right now, I'm not really reading any middle grade, but I am reading um, a fiction novel. It's a translated work. It's called The Memory Police, and it's really, really good. It's kind of quiet, like one of those quiet novels, and um, I'm really enjoying it. Great. I will have to check that out myself. I will include a link to it in the show notes for this episode. I will also include a link to Claudia and the Sad Goodbye for listeners who want to give that a read. It really is helpful no matter what you're going through or whether you're thinking about somebody you love and miss. It's a quick read, and it will kind of give you some of those warm and fuzzy feelings. I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk about it, Jamie. Thank you for bearing with me through the potential IT issues, which don't seem to have proven much of a problem, but thank you for like crossing your fingers and um it was really nice chatting with you thank you for taking the time you're welcome thank you for having me it was a good time bye bye thanks so much for listening to the ssr podcast check out our website at www.ssrpodcast.com for show notes and other information And be sure to connect with us on social media for updates on upcoming episodes, behind-the-scenes inside scoop, and some good old-fashioned book talk. Find us at SSRPod on Instagram and Twitter, and search SSR Podcast on Facebook to join the group. To reach out directly, you can send me an email at hellossrpod at gmail.com. If you're loving the show, it would mean so much if you could subscribe, leave a five-star review, and share your thoughts with a comment. And don't forget to tell your friends, too. In the meantime, happy reading. I'll see you next time on the SSR podcast.